Welcome to Step Back Sisterhood. I'm one of your host, Britt, and we have an outstanding show for you today. First, we'll be getting a temperature check of the Rockets fandom as I discuss my thoughts and feelings about the current Rockets news and trade speculations. In the second half of the show, Janelle, Amber, Tara, and I are speaking with Kelly Eco, staff writer at The Athletic and beat reporter for the Houston Rockets. But first, let's start with my thoughts of the current Rockets situation. So we're just doing a temperature check here. Uh, our friend Britt has been under a lot of news falling about the Rockets. And so, Britt, we just wanted to check in and find out, like, how are you feeling as a Rockets fan right now? There's a lot going on in the news. Yeah, I mean, I think it would probably make a quick sense to talk about some of the news stories that have come out in the last 48 hours, in fact. So we've received news that Westbrook is, you know, definitely wants to be traded. Um, he wants to be the alpha, the definite alpha for a team. So, so far it sounds like the Knicks are the leading contender for him and they can potentially take in his entire contract. Also the Hornets as well. And then some news that came out. So right now it is 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern on November 15th. I say that because the news has been very fast and by the time we have this release it may be a completely different story but uh, it looks as though James Harden has been in um, well not discussions with the team directly but has been discussing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving about joining the Nets and Several reporters including Shams and Woj have indicated that the you know it's not necessarily close to a sure thing, but it's definitely his top destination if a trade is to happen. Um, but to answer your question, you know, how are Rockets fans feeling? I, I feel like it's, I, I'm going to just talk about myself. I, I feel completely and totally demoralized, to be honest. I, I feel like, you know, over the last, decade um more or less almost a decade the rocket you know rockets fans even through some of the you know the down moments have been relatively fortunate in having a really great team led by a superstar like James Harden but now that all of these rumors are swarming the relatively new um owner in Tillman Fertitta continuing to look relatively cheap and not, you know, bringing around like legitimate stars surrounding Harden. Um, and, you know, just having all of this, this heaval when it comes to the coaching changes, the GM changes, it, it, it's been completely demoralizing. And I, I, I think it also doesn't help when Twitter is just like making fun of your franchise constantly and just like, you know, bagging on people for even having a belief that the Rockets even had, you know, they should have never had some expectations of being successful. So I think demoralizing is a word that I would use for myself, um, but it may be something similar when it comes to a lot of other Rockets fans. And that's what I've heard across the board when I talk to other people on Twitter. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Let's say Russ does go and Harden goes. What do you ex- what should the Rockets expect back for those two players? 
I'm not quite sure about Westbrook. I feel like he is worth more than a lot of folks are trying to trade him out for. Um, I don't think they should. Uh, the one thing I've been saying over and over again the last few days is that they shouldn't let go of Westbrook and I guess now Harden for trash. I'm not saying any player is trash. Um, all the NBA players are outstanding athletes and um, they are, you know, worth, you know, all the money that they, you know, make each year. My, you know, my saying of they shouldn't, he shouldn't be let go for trash is that they shouldn't get, you know, basically meaningless assets for a, you know, a perennial MVP candidate, a one-time MVP winner, and, you know, someone who has taken this team to the playoffs for nine straight seasons. I mean, not even LeBron can say that anymore. He, um, you know, last, you know, the previous year before this season winning a championship, he wasn't in the playoffs. Harden has the longest streak of playoff appearances in the league now. So the Rockets shouldn't be, you know, just giving away to, um, you know, MVPs, um, since Westbrook is that as well for essentially nothing. They need to find, you know, they need to either get picks, they need to get, you know, decent to good players and hopefully both so that they can start the rebuild process. Cause right now they don't have any picks to use for this year, for the 2020 draft that's happening, you know, this upcoming week or for 2021. So they need to get assets back and they shouldn't just get you know, some random assortment of players um, because, you know, Harden wants to go someplace, um, you know, in particular. Yeah, we we ended up, well, OKC, should I say now we? <laughs> OKC ended up getting picks from for Russ. And it seems like Russ was like a one-year rental. I don't want to say it like that, but that's what it seems to be. I didn't think that, I thought it would last longer than a year. What did you think? I thought so too. Um, I've been saying multiple times, at least until recently, that I felt like there was at least one more season when it came to Harden and Russell um, being on the team. I, I think what expedited this change is more or less what, you know, when Maury resigned and when, um, I guess, you know, before that, when um, D'Antoni, you know, basically resigned because they weren't going to give him a new salary, you know, a new contract. I, I think that sort of expedited their concerns, um, you know, for good or for bad. And now they're wanting to get out. But the one thing I'm sort of disappointed with is that, you know, there are there is a new GM and new coach and both of them or at least one of them um Steven Silas has a lot of respect around the league I'm not sure why they're unwilling to or hesitant to you know try to see if a new coach will allow them to be you know at least as successful as D'Antoni um that's probably the most disappointing part for me but yeah I I just don't I, I don't know why you know other than them you know, having a lot of changes in a short period of time that can, that can rock anyone, regardless of their, you know, sort of role in a company or a role in any sort of organization. You bring up a, a point on Twitter about how Harden is throwing an ultimatum or possibly throwing an ultimatum to the front office. What makes you feel that way? And what do you think about these, um, 
so-called Twitter insiders. I mean, I I personally feel like if it ain't from Woj or Shams, there's nothing to it. And you can't even really trust Woj or Shams on as well. What do you think? Uh, I'll answer the questions backwards. So... I agree that a lot of the, I mean, they're not eggs anymore, but the anonymous um, or little known um, Twitter insiders who are asking a lot of, you know, saying a lot of rumors and speculations are just that. I mean, you should only take them with a grain of salt. Um, and a lot of times they'll only hit because they're spewing out so many rumors that, you know, eventually one of them will hit because they're, you know, relatively realistic things. So, yeah, I, I just take it as, you know, what it is, is just, you know, folks who may or may not have some as- um, access to someone on a team. I mean, I think the one that I most recently um, tweeted about from Farbod, who yeah, is that's, from- that's what I'm talking about. So he's actually a contributor for, you know, a number of websites, including Sports Illustrated and ESPN. So I think I would take that as a little bit more than um, maybe like two grains of salt instead of just one. But in, in general, I just take it as, you know, for the last decade, I feel like, um, or at least the last five years, let me be um, nicer about it. Since Twitter, our NBA Twitter became NBA Twitter, there's always been speculation about the Rockets and trades. And yes, I think that's partially because Maury would make a ton of trades, but folks will say a lot of, you know, wild speculation about any sort of team and any sort of player at any time. So to assume that, hey, you know, Assume that someone has as much knowledge as they do. It, it's only, I mean, it, it's just basically a lot of mess until it becomes reality. And then even then, it, it, we have to continue to think about how frequently they're getting things right. And if they're actually, you know, the things that are happening is actually happening and not just like, oh, in 20, you know, um, hindsight, this 2020, this, this happened. If, it, if they only get one, like one hit every, two or three years, that's not worth anything. Um, but at the same time, like if they actually know people within a franchise, which is like, you know, for instance, the Nets, you know, Farbod, I was reading and he has, you know, sort of connections to the Nets and like the New York area, which is how he could potentially have that knowledge of it. So yeah, I, I think overall, I, I just take it as it is. It's just folks on Twitter who can, you know, create a account at any time creating rumors and speculation. Um, and then I actually forgot your for the first part, which I probably should have. Now, why, why do you think that Harden is just throwing an ultimatum? I, I think it's just based on what has happened over the last few years with the Rockets franchise. So since um, Tillman Fertitta uh, gained ownership of the team, he has, or at least this is my opinion, and a lot of people do ha- have a similar thought about it, but in my opinion, he has taken the route of allowing parts of the team to basically like have people walk away and not try to match offers and basically put the minimum, um, the lowest effort team that isn't that expensive out on the court. 
the first time that was with Trevor Ariza. Um, I'm not going to include Mellow because I think the Mellow situation is just, ugh, it, it's something else besides that. But in general, the last few years, he's, um, Tillman has either not matched offers where there was opportunity to do so or has waited till the very last minute to match offers. And that makes uh, players mad. I mean, we saw that with um, Gordon Hayward in, you know, in Utah before he went over to um, Boston. Like when a player feels like they or people around them have not been treated correctly, uh, you know, that respect factor that can allow for players to leave before you know they probably would have um, liked to in order to find someplace better and I, I think that's what is sort of and I'm, this is all speculation I think I have to say that again and again I'm just speculating here but I, I feel like that's probably eating away at Harden and maybe even Westbrook to a certain extent although I think Westbrook's issues are just more he wants to be an alpha on a team um, and not just be like potentially the second string person um, but I don't know if that answers your question and it may not even be the right thing but I think it's just more like they haven't really put the best people around him um, around Harden and maybe he's tired of that when you hear these rumors and reports, um, you know, how much do you think they are, you know, different camps trying to get each other, you know, pique each other's interest, get each other riled up? Oh, I'm going to say this so that they'll have to do this thing or I'm going to put out feelers. I mean, how do you kind of in your own mind evaluate the rumors to decide whether or not you think, you know, how likely you think that they are to coming true? I think it's a significant issue because that's what really what Twitter is being used for this these days is that folks will bring out I, I I'm ignoring like the you know the random insiders who aren't really insiders like the ones who just come out of the blue when mm-hmm. there is big news stories I'm talking about Shams and Woj those you know bombs. when they say Brooklyn yeah. has interest yeah I think a lot of it especially since you know like I mentioned there was changes to the GM role um, now Raphael Stone is the new GM and I think part of it is that these teams are looking at you know quote unquote fresh meat and trying to see if they will be able to get a deal for you know a bona fide superstar regardless of what a lot of you know NBA Twitter says uh, for significantly less than what he probably is worth his contract is worth and being floating these rumors and speculation had um you know more or less puts a pressure on a gm and a pressure on a front office and a ownership group or ownership when it comes to um, the rocket since there's only a singular owner of the team it puts pressure on them to make a decision um in this case they don't necessarily need to make a decision anytime soon they can wait a full year and still have you know relative control when it comes to harden and westbrook um their contracts are you know their ending dates are the exact same year in three years from now so I just say that, you know, since there's a new GM, there's going to be a lot of trade rumors and speculation that are like from the other teams that are basically just testing him. And that's really what I, what I see with a lot of this stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to process a possible 
best possible outcome or are you still just in the in the middle of the rainstorm right now? <laughs> I mean, I think the best outcome would be in the short term to keep Harden and Westbrook and wait for a suitable deal that isn't going to just, you know, fleece the fleece the franchise. That's kind of like my, what Anthony Davis yeah. situation. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the best course of action. I mean, I know that Harden and you know Westbrook, well, Harden more than Westbrook because it seems like Hard, or Westbrook would even go to the Knicks, and the Knicks are, <laughs> in a, you know, they've been perpetually bad. But in general, when it comes to Harden, there is no like, yes, he has a player option in the twenty two twenty three season, but that's still two seasons from now. Um, there's no need to like he has no leverage. He's not a free agent. He's not even a, a restricted free agent. So. There is no concern for him to not play. I don't, I, I've never seen him as someone to just like not play. Um, or do I see him doing something where, you know, it would radically, you know, cause the team to look bad because then ultimately that will lower his trade value. He's going to have to play. And so is Westbrook. So I think that when it comes to, the best situation, um, I mean, it would be that the Rockets figure out a way to um, find out exactly what's wrong with Harden and Westbrook and retrofy it to the best of their ability and then have them, you know, eventually resign. That's the best case scenario. But the most realistic thing is that they wait as long as possible um, and eventually trade to, you know, whatever destination that they want. Um but they get the best assets and ability to rebuild as possible. Like if they do it now, they're they're essentially just going to get fleeced. And I, I, I don't want to see that as a Rockets fan. Anybody else have any questions right now? Or should we go ahead and wrap it up and then wait to talk to Kelly? I'm, I'm good. How are you oh. feeling, Britt? Did you get it all out? Um, no, not really. But I, I think I'm just trying not to be angry about it. It's like – there's nothing I can do about it. I don't, I think when it comes to any team or, you know, fandom, you can't do much. You don't have money or the only thing that you give is money when you go to the games or buy a Jersey or something like that. That's the only thing you can do. And that's not going to do much to facilitate anything. So there's no, you know, begging or pleading that I could do to, you know, keep, you know, someone from going to another team. But at the same time, I want to see Harden secede. And if that's not in Houston, um, that, you know, that's fine. But I, I don't want to see the Rockets just like get completely, the you know, fleeced and not be able to do anything for three or four years because they're trying to rebuild, um, you know, from bad assets or just like, you know, players who aren't going to be worth anything if they want to try to trade them later on. So that's really my biggest thing. Well, I'm a tiny bit happy to get some of those thoughts off my chest. But before getting to the second segment, if you're liking what you're hearing from us, please consider following us on Twitter at StepBackSisters with the S or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now let's get to the second half of the show in today's interview. Kelly Eco is a staff writer at The Athletic covering the Houston Rockets. Previously, he was a senior writer for Rockets Wire, a subset of USA Today, and also contributed at ESPN 97.5 in Houston. Kelly, how are you today? Doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Yeah. Um, thank you for ha- um, being on here, especially since it's oh. been extremely busy with the Rockets as of late. <laughs> yeah. But um, before we talk about the Rockets, I thought it would be nice to ask you a general question, and then we'll get into all the Rockets situation, because um, I'm personally a Rockets fan, um, so I've been a little bit devastated the last few days, and I want more <laughs> information. Um, but the first question I had was that um, you study economics at UT. I was sort of snooping on your LinkedIn, and I, then I saw that you then studied broadcast journalism um, by first interning at um, ESPN 790, and then yeah. you went to school at UH downtown. Um, yeah. Were you wanting to go into journalism in the first place, or was that something that you no, changed your mind? I, I fell into journalism. Um, it's one of those things where circumstances kind of changed your initial perception because I'm, I'm Nigerian, come from a Nigerian home, so growing up, you know, you hear the typical engineer, doctor, that sort of stuff. But I remember one class I was in at UT, it was like a career building class and they had broken into groups and we're supposed to write, you know, stuff that interested us. Cause I had taken the MCAT already. I'd already done stuff like that. So, um, we were in groups and then I wrote stuff that interested me, like sports, you know, articles and like numbers, stuff like that. And then somebody suggested, you know, could you ever consider, you know, going into sports writing? And at the time, I didn't think it was going to be, I thought it was too hard to break into, um, you know, just being a young black man in, in this country and trying to break into that, you know, that glass sphere, the glass ceiling. And I, I just didn't think it was going to be a viable thing for me. So, you know, lo and behold, it's, it's, it's working out pretty well. It seems to me like an economics background would be really useful in uh, covering sports, especially covering the Rockets. Do, yeah. do you find that to be true? Um, well, it's, it's a bit of both. I mean, I never um, – because I left UT. So I didn't graduate from UT. I left, you know, in 2017, 16. Um, so, yeah, covering a team that uses numbers like the Rockets do, economics is always good for any business – you know, sports is a business. Roster building is a business. Like, there's economics of, of basketball that go into, you know, how teams make their decisions. But um, more importantly, so journalism is important because, as you know, the root of anything, you know, is storytelling. Um, and for, for you to kind of try to establish your own path, you know, blaze your own trail, you need to love that. You know, that's the, the heart of the craft, and that's what people want to hear. Like, I remember a few years ago, people said that, you know, articles were, were becoming stale, and people were going to video and all this stuff. And at the heart of it, you know, people still want good stories. You know, it doesn't matter how that comes in. And if you as a writer or you're in media or a podcaster can, can tell those stories uniquely and independently, and people, you always have a, you know, fan base. So I don't think there's any one traditional path to sports writing, nor do I think there's a traditional path to, I guess, anything in in, in any career field. Now, storytelling. Do you think that it's going to evolve into something more personal in the future? Because, you know, you have Instagram, you got TikTok, you got, what, Snapchat. Do you think it would be more more personal in the future? How do you see storytelling evolving? 
Honestly, I think storytelling for sports is going to evolve to a state where it's going to really become the players controlling their own stories. You're seeing, you know, people like LeBron with his with his companies. You're seeing Kevin Durant, what he's doing, players like Gilbert Arenas, you know, Carlos Boozer, those guys, ex-veterans that are, you know, having all these podcasts and these platforms telling their stories and things that people really love to hear about. And uh, for a while... Well, well, traditionally, it's always been, you know, a writer trying to do their best job, he or she, to, to tell a player's story or stories. But now, I think in the future, you're going to see more players taking ownership of their own, you know, media platforms and their own brands and telling stories themselves. Is it fair to say that the future is here, you know, with LeBron and with KD telling uh, their own stories and... What does that leave the traditional beat writer or the traditional, you know, um, anchor? How would they be able to adapt to this new paradigm? Uh, I think it always comes down to relationships. Um, that's one thing I pride myself on, being able to connect with different players, different organizations, different coaches and stuff like that. There's so many different working parts that go into the NBA, that go into a team. You know, wherever you're at, it's just how about how well do you connect with other people? Now, do you connect on the, on a genuine platform? Because the best way to, to, to do journalism is, is with fairness and honesty. And sometimes it's going to be stuff that you write that are, you know, critical. And if you have those good, good standings with people, you know, people always respect criticism if it's fair. Now, what people get into, you know, back and forth is if there's, you know, libel or like lies or something that's not inaccurate that's when you see people you know getting into a tough one stuff like that but when you criticize somebody fairly and you you allow them chances to speak their own part and and you look at both sides of the equation i don't think you'll see a lot of you know instances where somebody will bash a writer or stuff like that those things happen when you know, maybe something was said, it gets aggregated to something else and people start running with the narrative and, and it happens all the time in sports. But um, at, at its core, I don't think it's something where um, honesty and, you know, just your craft can carry it Okay, so I think um, we're probably sort of bearing the lead here that a lot of folks are probably wanting to hear more about the Rockets situation. Um, before that, though, I, I'm really interested about the storytelling and maybe related to the Rockets is that, you know, how in general, I mean, you don't have to give all your secrets, but um, how do you get started with your research if you're hearing sort of rumors or speculation about a certain player on the team in this instance that um, Rockets um, potentially wanting to, you know, move on or wanting to get a trade? Um, do you outline? Do you you know, do some research and talk to folks or a little bit of both? Yeah. So I always check in with people I know around the organization. It's always good to have regular communication with, with, with people around the league, various sources. You know, everything doesn't always have to be, you know, you're looking for a story, you're looking for an angle. Some of it can just be, you know, small talk. Some of it can actually be, you know, genuine talk. Um, you'd be surprised at how much uh, news or 
like tiny tidbits of news that you can build off of come from those casual conversations, you know? Um, like, like for example, I, I, the story I broke a, a long time ago about Capella's deal, I broke it, you know, in the barbershop. I was getting my haircut. Oh, um, wow. Wow. Yeah. So you, you, you would be surprised that just, cause at the end of the day, people on the outside of the league view, view it as such this big complex thing. But at the end of the day, at its base, the league is all about people. They're regular people. They just have, they just have really cool jobs. Like, but they're still people. They still talk to other people. People will always communicate. They'll always share information back and forth. It's a, it's a constant channel. Um, and I think whenever you hear something like a rumor or something, it's always good for me personally. I always, I never just like react initially. You know, I don't jump at stuff. Like I, I take my time. I talk to people I know, and and, and I obviously you know there are people the big the the big players in the industry. You know, the Woges, you know, Shams, you know. Chris Haynes, Mark Steins, the rim owners, those people, Zach Lowe's. When you hear them speak, you know that, you know, something is up, right? But you still have enough time to do your own research, to build your own ideas and to establish your own sources. Yeah. And I guess related to that, you know, you mentioned the Capella story and that was important. And, but also this, um, these news stories that are like flying out when it comes to Harden and Westbrook and with the Rockets organization on your podcast, Brody and the Beard with Mo Docket, like a couple of days ago, you were mentioning that the Rockets appear to be a mess. Um, and that it's going to get to, it needs to get worse before it gets better. Can you give more details on what you meant by that? Yeah, I just, well, it was my personal opinion. I just hmm. think that the way stuff is going right now, I, I don't see it getting better before, you know, because if Russ leaves, um, do you, are you able to bring back pieces that can keep you you know, as a viable second round team, cover final team. If not, I don't see how it gets better. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I said it, things will get worse. I I do think that the Rockets, with the season fast approaching, they're in, in such a state where they're they're trying to put a lot of pieces together in terms of getting the rust situation under control. You know, getting Harden ready. You know, for another championship run. But there's all this outside stuff going on that's kind of a big distraction. I think that's why I think it will get worse before it gets better. Now, obviously things can change if, you know, Russ wakes up tomorrow and, and says, you know, he wants to commit and try and make something work with Houston and, and James Harden and all that stuff. But, you know, as it stands for me personally, I, I just see it getting worse before it gets better. What do you think the best possible outcome is if you were to lose both players? Ooh, the best outcome? I think it would have to be a series of, of a lot of picks. Um, it would have to be I guess cap flexibility. That would be the biggest benefit for Houston. You know, their ability to try and lure in other free agents. Um, you know, the, the ability to go in a new direction. Um, I think should you lose both of those players, you're obviously for the time being, you're, you're indicating to your, your constituents and your fan base that, you know, 
we're not looking for a title this year. You're not looking for, you know, a deep playoff run. You know, getting rid of those two guys or cornerstones is, is a huge is a huge thing, and it's a huge indicator, you know, that the rebuild is coming or however you want to describe it. But you know, there are always positives to look at. You know, if if those guys do eventually, if you will have a lot of money coming off the books, a lot of money coming off the books, mm-hmm. and the only thing more dangerous than teams with good players are, are teams with a lot of money to me. And I think should the Rockets ever get into that situation, I think they would find some way or some way to get creative and aggressive even you know, more than before. The accountability citation that Russ was mentioning in the article with the team yeah. needs a lot of people to believe that he's talking about Harden and about how his leadership is bad. Do you agree with that assessment or not? Or is he also talking about other things outside of whatever Harden does? I think, I think you could use that accountability thing to, to include everybody, um, top development organization. You know, perhaps, you know, maybe, of course, there are things that Harden does that Russ doesn't like. There are things that Russ does that Harden doesn't like. It's just the nature of two high level, high ego stars. Like it's going to happen. You know? We don't care how long they were friends. This is a business, and um, you have to make it work on the court. Now, as we saw with Harden and Chris Paul, two great players who you know might not have been these lifelong friends, but it worked on the court. And why did it work? Because the styles mesh with each other. You know, Chris Paul was able to play off the ball and able to be a, a reliable shooting option and able to handle an offense alone with the bench. Last season, it wasn't like that for James and Russ. Russ was fantastic when he had the ball in his hands, and uh, at one point he was playing the best ball of his career. But that turned Harden into, you know, kind of kind of a second option on some nights. Um, Russ off the ball himself is not a good shooter. Uh, Harden off the ball does not want to screen or he doesn't want to cut. He doesn't want to, you know, do a lot of those off-ball actions. Um, and, and, and you saw it, like, in the playoffs, and you saw it. Towards the end of the t- before the hiatus and kind of in the bubble a little bit, but um, I-, I think that accountability for an organization to-, to succeed, it has to be no ego at the table, and I think naturally both those players have egos and, and they come from you know a long, long seasons of success, you know personal accolades and stuff like that. You know they should believe that they're top dog in, in their in their fields, so. I think that's where Russ's, um, if you want to call it annoyance comes from, or, or maybe why he was tiffed, you know, just how much everything in Houston goes through, you know, hard, you know, start playing the team. So much of the, you know, the news right now is about Harden and Westbrook, which makes right. perfect sense. Um, but I'm really curious what you think about the rest of the team and how, like what's going to be the key for the rest of them all holding it together and holding it down. Oh. Um, like maybe who might be somebody <laughs> who might emerge or like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's an interesting question. I think number one, you have to look at the new coach coming in and how he can uh, best optimize those, those pieces. But when you look at the rest of the roster, there are names that, you know, interests, you know, if, if you were to, 
go down that route of maybe trading people, you know, names like Eric Gordon. Um, if you want to throw PJ Tucker, like there are names on that roster that could garner interest around the league just based off their name alone. Um, but I do think it's an interesting roster to put together. It's built for one style of play as it seems. Now, Coach Silas has talked about integrating new stuff, uh, bringing a variety of off the offensive schemes and defensive schemes, kind of giving them different looks, whereas last season it was, you knew what you were getting with the Rockets. You knew what you were getting at high doses of isolation balls, some pick and roll, um, fast break, and, you know, a lot of threes, layups, free throws. Um, now, for the past four seasons, it's been pretty successful, but time and time again in the playoffs, you know, something went wrong. Last season, it was, you know, the injuries, the timing, Harden getting doubled every time because the Lakers, they had, the Lakers went small. The Rockets couldn't match that. You know, the year before, Katie goes down, you know, they had that lead in Houston game, game six. They collapse. Like it's, it's every year is something. So I think what Coach Silas brings in is a new energy, is a new hope, is, uh, he just brings his, his swagger. And I think that's kind of the best way to look at the rest of the roster and see how can you use those pieces and still put together a pretty competitive team. That makes a ton of sense. And when it comes to Coach Silas, um, this podcast is, isn't just a Rockets podcast. It's a, um, we're hoping to cover all the teams. So there may be a lot of folks who may not know too much about the Houston in general. Um, what in your opinion sort of catapulted Steven Silas over, um, you know, names like such as, um, Jeff Van Gundy as head coach? Um, maybe the modernization. Jeff Van Gundy hasn't coached in the league for a long time. Um, he's a brilliant person and a brilliant, you know, coach as, as is, but I think the Rockets are looking more of a, uh, modern fit, younger. And I think Steven Silas checked all those boxes. Um, somebody who could come in who, first of all, has earned the right to be a head coach in this league, having been an assistant for over two decades. Um, he kind of built that equity around the league. Um, but I, I, I do think that's what put him over the edge. Cause you know, like you said, Jeff Engendu was a good name. John Lucas was a good name. Like if they had gone in any of those directions, those would have been good, good choices as well. But I think Steven Silas, the, the, the intrigue of, of a first time head coach was too good to pass up. I remember watching first take. I watched a clip on first take. Yeah. And Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman interviewed Silas and said, you know, we expect Russ and, and Harden to be there. So when it comes to trades and it comes to players requesting trades or wanting trades, right. do you think that they blindside the organization or do you think it's something that they've talked about with the organization? That's a good question. Um, I personally, again, me, I, I think the Russ trade request or whatever, the Russ News, uh, we call it first trade, but the rest news, um, kind of get, kind of came down at them a bit randomly. Um, obviously there must have been internally, there must have been some indication that he wasn't as happy as when he first got traded a year ago. But I do think that the front office expected, you know, another year of, you know, a new regime. Like, you know, you're bringing in Rafael Stone, you're bringing in Steven Silas. Let's see 
you know, what those guys can do. And I think that's kind of what the thinking was internally amongst, you know, front office, like looking at James Harden and Russell Westbrook and the future. I think there was optimism there. And they spoke about it uh, during the introductory press conference. It was like they have something to look forward to with, 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 with Silas and Stone. But I think with the Russ, the Russ stuff, it kind of shocked them a little bit. Picture this. You are Stephen Silas and Russ and James will still be on the roster. And these two, they are who they are at this point in their careers. How do you, would you get them to buy into your system and your philosophy? If, if I'm Stephen Silas, I show them, I just show them what the Mavericks did last season. You know, they had the number one offense in NBA history. Um, and they did that with a variety of actions. They didn't do that just playing isolation. There's more than one way to, you know, to, to slice an apple. You, you don't have to go that route every time, especially if if it hasn't brought you the success that you that you have craved. So I think what Stephen Silas can sell them on is the ability of uh, making things easier for them and also easier for the team while keeping that same level of of consistency. I think that's that's what I would sell. If I was close We talked a lot about Russell and we talked a lot about Harden and, you know, we've talked about a little bit about the role players, but have you received any indication about their thoughts, um, about the situation so far? I know, um, Covington was recently, you know, on a show and he talked about it for a few minutes, but, um, have you gotten any sort of, um, indications from anyone else if they're, you know, upset or frustrated about what's going on right now? As far as like indication, I mean, you you kind of saw some of that in the story. You know, Austin Rivers hasn't been the, the happiest camper the last two seasons. Eric Gordon hasn't been the happiest camper the last two seasons. PJ Tucker, you know, they have their individual things that they're dealing with, but a lot of it stems from you know the system that the Rockets ran and how uh, their own roles kind of got diminished um, in the last two three seasons, but. You know, role players are role players for a reason. They're there to do specific roles. And Eric Gordon's role is to be, you know, a third shooter, scorer, playmaker, and defender. Tucker is meant to be a floor spacer, you know, knit and great guy, you know, doing everything that doesn't show up on the, on the stat sheet. There are guys that are there to do specific things, but that doesn't mean that they won't get upset, you know, if they're, if they're, Seems something that, that they're not used to. And I think last season was a lot of that, you know, stuff that, you know, a lot of players didn't particularly enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, don't think was, I don't think it was the greatest time for some people on the team um, from a, a usage and just a, a whole general standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing that I, it seems like wasn't as apparent until your story came out is that the Rockets, or at least the players, weren't very thrilled about the static nature, I guess you can call um, yeah. Mike D'Antoni's system towards the end of his tenure in the Rockets. And um, I'm yeah. hoping that Steven Silas may be able to get them out of that sort of predicament. But uh, I guess speaking of which, um, I know it's probably extremely hard considering that Russ, uh, Westbrook and Harden may be leaving, but let's say – 
if the team remains with Harden and Westbrook and, or if the team is removed, what are your thoughts about their, um, the Rockets po- prospects for this season? Do you think they'll continue their nine straight seasons of pay- playoff appearances or do you think there's going to be too much drama or turmoil for that to happen? No, I think this team is too good to, to not make the playoffs. I think there should be optimism with a new coach. Like I said, the, the ability to, uh, bring in some other pieces with the, with the, with the front office. Um, I just think going forward, you know, there should be, it shouldn't be as bleak as before. Given that, you know, a new coach and, and ownership, or a new coach and general manager, they kind of give you a new hope. It's a new era. Um, I, I do think that this season, if they, if the roster stays the same pretty much as is, I do think that some of the playoffs, they should be expected to be a contender because they have two offers on their team. So it's, that's a normal, that's a normal course of action. So we're about ready to enter an unprecedented week in the history of the NBA quote unquote off season. Um, you know, with the draft and free agency and everything, everything is happening all at once. How are you preparing for that? And like, yeah. are you ready to go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of have no choice. The league, the, the league waits for no one. That's one thing I've learned in the business. And I mean, you kind of try and take breaks every now and then to kind of clear your head and just refocus because it's a lot happening at once, um, from all different angles. So it's, it's good to take time to, to, to take care of yourself, but it, it's still fun. It's still it's very enjoyable hearing all this because it's the it's the, the league we love. Um, love to hear about it, love to write about it, love to talk about it. Um, it's just one of those things. It's going to be a hell of a week. Yeah, that's for sure. so, Do you feel like you got enough vacation time before? Because <laughs> since no. the season started, okay. No. <laughs> but covering the Rockets, there is nothing like a vacation. There's always something going on. So. Like, do you know yet even like what what access is going to be like? Has any of that been worked out? Like, will you be like, is there going to be like a media day? Um, like, what Good access question. are you going to have to talk? Like, has any of those details been announced yet? Um, um, I'm not sure if it's been announced, but I know they've been they're, uh probably probably those things will be hammered out pretty soon. I think because you know training camp and preseason that's coming up pretty quickly, so. The league needs to have, uh, I guess, protocol for the 2021 season. This is truly an example of the that saying where you're um, that you're building the runway as the plane is landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Yeah, but I think with that, we have, um, I mean, I could probably ask you questions, Kelly, all day, but I, I think it's probably worth just letting you go before I, we have a 12 hour talk, but before we do, um, do you want to give, um, everyone your links? I mean, especially, I, I think Houston fans probably don't have that, but if you have any social media stuff that you want to plug. Yeah, um, I guess my Twitter or Instagram. I need to get my Instagram up. It's kind of slacking, but it's Kelly Go NBA, Kelly I K O NBA, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can catch me on the Athletic. Subscribe if you're not yet a subscriber. They got a great dollar a month deal going on. And yeah. Oh, also subscribe to Birding the Beard Podcast. Although we, we might have to change that name of the podcast soon. Oh no! Yeah. It's- 
especially if Harden and Westbrook aren't even on the team by the time. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's a good time if they try to do it before the season. At least you can yeah. pu- pump the new name. But thank yeah. you so much, Kelly, for the um, letting us talk to you about all things Rockets and a little bit about yourself. No problem. Yeah. Thanks for having thank me. You, Kelly. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow the show at Step Back Sisters with the S. Tara is at TCB Biggs. Janelle is at Janelle 12. Amber is at simply me underscore AV. And I'm at Brit Robotista. That's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. If you love to listen to the show, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast provider. We'll talk to you next time on Step Back Sisterhood.